We're going to study tonight a pair of shuvas from the 19th century on the topic of insurance. Insurance, to some people, may not be the most thrilling and stimulating topic, but actually, if you consider the, the legal principles involved, the halachic principles involved, it actually is the subject of some remarkably interesting, conceptually interesting, practically interesting halachas that arise in Choshen Mishpat, in civil law, as well as actually in Ribis, in the laws of Yardea. Ribis is a law in Yardea. In halacha, insurance contracts go back in some form or another to the medieval period. We have in the time of the Rishonim, we have, we have discussions about insurance. The insurance there were not as we have them today, big companies writing standard policies and so on. The, the transactions back then were typically custom contracts between a merchant who was moving goods across the ocean and another businessman, the merchant would pay some premium to the, the insuring merchant. The insuring merchant would agree that if something went wrong with the cargo, he would indemnify the, the first guy for the loss of his cargo. But this goes back, as I said, at least uh, 700 years or so in halacha. Insurance in its modern form starts appearing in the modern period in the 19th century. So the two chuvas we're going to study tonight are two chuvas on the same question, a question that saw an explosion of discussion in the 19th and 20th century. It is a question that is very interesting, both from a rigorous analytical halachic perspective, as well as from a legal perspective, as well as from a, a simple intuitive perspective. It's a very easy question to understand. People's intuition, though, may not arrive, may not always end up at exactly the same place, and that's what makes it such an interesting question. The question is as follows. Someone has an asset, say a house in the cases we're going to be discussing. He takes out property insurance for the house. Homeowner's insurance, we call it today. So he insures his property against loss, fire, other types of loss. Then there's a fire, and the house burns down. It's a straightforward question, covered by the contract. Insurance is going to indemnify him for his loss. Now, it so happens that we know the guy who uh, lit the fire. We know the guy whose fault it is, whether it was arson, whether it was just uh, negligent, somebody was negligent with the fire. We know who that guy is. The insurance company may not know who that guy is, but I know who that guy is. He's another Jew. So I have, I have the right to sue him, to be Tovea him, according to Din Torah, as a mazik, as someone who caused harm, as someone, if my house was not insured, he would be my only recourse. I would go to him and I would say, your actions, your negligence caused me a financial loss. You have to pay me. It's one of the four categories of Nezek discussed throughout Bavakama. The mazik of Eish. So you're chayev to pay me for the damage that you did. Now we have both insurance and the mazik are in the same picture. Again, it's, it, they, don't, they, they don't overlap entirely. I can have a case of a mazik where there's no insurance, where I didn't take out any insurance at all. I can have a case of insurance where there's no mazik. It was a pure accident, a, a lightning strike or something, or we never caught the mazik, and then there's o- my only recourse would be insurance, and there's no, there's no claim of hezek against any, uh, anybody who caused me an injury. Here we have both. I have the right to go, I have the right to go after the, according to Din Torah, at least. We're not, we're not considering the law right now, but according to Din Torah. According to Din Torah, I have the right to go after the mazik, the person who caused me harm, I have the right to go after the insurer. The insurer agreed. The insurer has a contract. He agreed to pay me, and we have a binding contract that I pay him premiums, and he pays me if I have any damage to the property. So now the question is, do I have the right to go after both? Do I have the right to tell the, to tell the mazik, you're a mazik, you pay me. I'm getting money from the insurance. What does it have to do with you? Not your business. You're a mazik, you pay me. Or can the, or can the mazik say, no, you have no, you have no hazik. Your, your property is insured. You're, you're, you're made whole. Any loss that you have is going to be covered by insurance. There's no hazard here. So can you collect from the mazik at all? Can you collect twice? Now, the insurance company is not usually going to let you collect twice. This is what they call the... the there's a principle against double recovery. There's a principle of indemnification. Insurance only covers losses. Insurance never allows you to collect twice. Not if you have multiple, not never, but generally doesn't allow you to collect more than the amount you lose. Life insurance is different, but property insurance typically works with a principle of indemnification. 
that the goal of the insurance is to make you whole. Whatever your insurable interest was, they make you whole and not more than that. So the insurance company is not going to be too pleased if you get paid and then try to collect from them as well. They, that would be insurance fraud of some sort. Not only that, but if they pay you and then you recover damages from the mazik, they, they have the right to those damages. That's the principle of subrogation that you sign over to them. When they pay you, they, you assign to them any right of recovery that you have. So the insurance company certainly is not interested in letting you collect twice. But that's between you and the insurance company. The question now is, do you have the right to collect at all from the, from the mazik? Or can he just tell you, just go to your insurance? And if you do have the right to collect from him, do you have the right to do so? Even if you plan on collecting twice, even if you plan on collecting, you already did collect from the insurance, you plan on collecting from the insurance later, do you have the right to collect twice? What is the halachic perspective on all this? So this was a major debate. This was a major debate among the Achronim, beginning with the tshuvas we're going to see tonight, a number of other tshuvas, and so on. Postkim have had all kinds of arguments. The arguments come in two forms, as I've alluded to before. The arguments come both, some of them are, some of them are simple, intuitive arguments, to the effect of, like the Haribisamim, we're going to see it maybe later, the Haribisamim says, why should I pay you? There's no loss. You didn't lose anything. You got a check from the insurance company. You get back to where you started. No, uh, no harm, no foul, no, no tashlumen. Why should I pay you anything? Other arguments are going to be the opposite direction. Other intuitive arguments are going to be that I made a business deal with insurance. I made a bet. I made a gamble. I, in Lloyds of London, you can bet on anything. You can bet on presidential elections in some places. You can bet on whatever you want. You don't even have to have an insurable interest in some context. It's, a, it's simply a deal I made. We, we priced the risk. We, 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 got a, we evaluated the risk. I paid premiums. And that's a private deal between me and the insurance company. What does that have to do with you? Yes, I'm going to get money from the insurance company. I paid for that money. I, I paid premiums. I may have paid premiums for 20 years. I may have paid, I may have paid more than the insurance company is paying, is paying out. What does that have to do with you? I have a deal with them. I pay premiums. They pay, uh, they pay, uh, they, they pay what they pay according to their contract. And you're a mazik, so you should pay me. What, what does one have to do with the other? This, this was the case. These are the intuitive arguments made by both sides. There are also a number of much more technical and rigorous arguments based on various passages in the Talmud and the early sources. So we're going to take a look now at two classic tshuvas on the topic, one by the Marsham, the other by the Hare Bissaman. The Marsham argues that a person does have the right to collect from the mazik, from the person who caused the injury, despite the fact that he already has or intends to collect from the, from the insurance as well and going to end up with uh, double indemnity. The Marsham says that's, that, that's fine. M- m- much of the tshuva is bringing rias to this, discussing rias, but he also makes, makes a point in this tshuva of saying he thinks it is intuitively obvious. And the Haribisamim goes in the other direction. The Haribisam discusses the rias back and forth and argues that you're, you're not allowed to collect. And he also argues that that is an intuitive position that you are not allowed to collect. And with that, let's take a look at some of these, at these tshuvas now in more detail. Marsham described... Sorry? Well, uh, it's true that when he, he takes that insurance with intent to, to, be, to be made whole, to, to, to hedge his risk. But first of all, he's doing so, but he knows in a lot of cases there won't be anybody to sue. It'll be an accident. It'll be, some, it'll be a case where there's no legal liability. You don't catch the person who's liable. Even, even if, I don't know what his intention is. His intention is to, uh, I imagine his intention primarily is that he doesn't want to be left uh, without a house if he doesn't have someone to collect from. That's his motivation. That's what pushes him to make this contract. Insurance is not, uh, is not worth it in the sense that if you, take, if you calculate expected value, as mathematicians do, then insurance is not designed to be a transaction that is worth it in the sense that the probability of it occurring multiplied by the payout is worth more than the premiums you pay. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's paying to avoid risk. So yes, but the risk certainly exists in, a case, in many cases where you don't have anybody to sue. You don't catch the guy, he's not legally liable, he is legally liable, but he doesn't have the money, and so on. So, there are, so certainly you're paying to, to, make, to cover those cases. The question is, in a case where you also have recourse against the, 
against the, the tortfeasor, against the mazik, do you, do you have the right to go, to go after both of them? And I don't know if his intention was clear. I, I never really thought through what would happen. I have property insurance, I have automobile insurance. I never really thought carefully what would happen if I... I, I know that under American law, you're not going to collect twice. So, so I know that's the rule. So, so yeah, so we, we can discuss further what his intention was, but, but the postkim actually don't, uh, don't approach it from that perspective. The postkim don't assume that there's anything uh, clear in his intention. They try, to, they try to answer the question on first principles, do you have the right to collect twice? Do you have the right to collect from the mazik, even though your property is insured? So the marsham, he describes the shaila. He says that the, someone's house, someone burned down someone's house. Not sure if that means it was arson or it means it was negligence. In the Haribisam's case, the other case, he describes it more as a question of negligence. He says that he says a fire went from one neighbor's house and a fire started and caught uh, the neighbor's house that was insured and burned it down. It sounds like it was negligent. In Marsham's case, I don't know if it was negligence or, or uh, deliberate arson. I don't think it matters for most of it. I mean, it matters morally, it matters socially, but for the halachic arguments Marsham's going to make, I don't think it matters whether his liability under halacha derives from negligence, from not, from not, not being careful about his age, his fire, or from actual deliberate hezek, but they, either way, the point is he has a lack of liability. But the house was insured. It was asikrirt, uh, obviously some form of the word securitized, insured, insured. The harbisam, these are very, the word insurance appears in various European, Russian languages. Asikrirt, the, the harbisam calls it, it, it it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty uh, onomatopoeic word. It, it sounds a lot like the I think it means a lot like what it sounds like. The house was secured, the house was insured, the house was... Uh, and so on. So they paid. In Marsham's case, insurance already paid out. They, they, actually, they, they actually paid the claim. Now, the, the, the homeowner is now trying to double dip and collect from the, the mazik again and saying, look, you're a mazik, you owe me the money also. What does it have to do with you that, uh, that I collected from insurance? So, as we kind of indicated earlier... There are, two, there are two or three different questions here, really. One question is, fundamentally, is it fair, is it right that you should collect twice? The second question is, is this called hezek at all? Can the mazik, another way of looking at it is, can the mazik say that I didn't cause any hezek, you, you, you've been made whole. I burned down your house, but you have, a, you have a, a check now for the same amount of money. So at the end of the day, the net hezek was zero. If I, you know, if I were to wave a wand and turn your, and, and turn your, your house into a... Into a pile of gold. So before you had a house, now you had a pile of gold. Is that Hezek? No, I simply transformed a five hundred thousand dollars in equity and as a home into five hundred thousand dollars in gold bullion. That's not a Hezek. That's simply a transformation. It's not nice to do without permission, maybe, but uh, that's not Hezek. Hezek is defined by the net loss. There's no net loss. That's the second way of looking at the question. The first way of looking at the question is: Is it fair for him to collect twice? The second way of looking at it is: Is this called Hezek at all? You have uh, your, your 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 net worth has remained the same. Third third way of looking at it is the third issue is in light of the fact that this is illegal. In light of the fact that for you to collect the money and not turn it over to the insurance company is illegal. It's it, it is uh, you are depriving you are depriving the insurance company of money it's entitled to under the doctrine of subrogation. You have agreed to assign to the insurance company any money you recover. So if you do collect money from the if you do collect money from the mazik, you have to give it to the insurance company. That was not what this guy was going to do. The marsham makes it clear later in the tshuva, that was not his intention. He wasn't saying, I want you to pay me so I can help out the insurance company and, and pay it to them. That was not his point. His point was to collect it twice and keep it. So can the mazik claim, you can't do that. You're, you're, you're cheating the insurance company. If I, give, if I give you the money and you hold on to it, you're simply engaging in fraud against the insurance company. You can't do that. Or... Marsham says. Just a simple question, though. If the, the person who's insured had to pay the insurance company, so even if the mazik um, makes it whole, you know, still there's the money that the, the person who's insured had to pay, which he'd be losing. So, so, so you're, you, you're referring, I assume, to the premiums, the money he pays annually or what? Premium, yes. Premiums. Exactly, right. right. Premium, so. This, yes. So, yes, a good point. So the Marsham is going to bring up the question of premiums, and he is going to, 
he's going to mention it in passing. He, that, that isn't going to be a, a, his primary consideration, but he does mention in passing to bolster the claim of the, of the injured party that he paid good money for that insurance contract. He mentions the fact that he paid premiums. The reason I think it doesn't impact the halacha as directly and as overtly as it might is because in the language of economics, the premiums are a sunk cost. Whether he collects from the insurance company, whether he collects from the mazik, whether he collects from both, from both of them, the premiums are a thing in the past. If, if forget the complication of the fact that his premiums will now go up if he made a claim, putting that point aside. That, that's the way modern insurance would typically work, but putting that point aside, uh, the, the, assuming his premiums, uh, for simplicity, will remain constant. Whatever he paid yesterday is paid out. His pay, he paid six months ago for this year's premiums is not coming back. Whatever he's going to pay next year for further insurance, he's going to pay for next year's insurance. So the premiums are a sunk cost. The, 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 the premiums don't hinge on, on, on who he files and how many times he files. The premiums are already a thing in the past, and therefore from an economic perspective and possibly from a halachic perspective as well, they don't necessarily enter into the picture. The, 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 the nizak, the, the person whose house burned down, if he collects, let's say the house was worth $500,000. If he collects $500,000 from the mazik, he'll end up with $500,000 and a paid premium of last year. If he collects from the insurance company, he'll end up with $500,000 and a premium he already paid last year. So the premium is a constant between the two cases. It's a thing in the past. It's a sunk cost. And who he chooses to collect from isn't, isn't directly going to affect the question of the premiums. That's why I think the post can largely look at it as a wash. Although, again, we'll see. They do bring it in to try to shed some light on whether he should be entitled to the, to the premiums, to the, to the payout. As we'll see, uh, as as we'll see as we go. So the, wow. sorry. I said thank you. Wow. Thanks. Okay, thank you. So the, the marsham, the, the bulk of the marsham's discussion, the first chunk of his discussion, is going to be primarily concerned with the third version of the question that we said that what this guy is doing. Essentially, we know whether he admits it explicitly or not. We we understand perfectly well. What he's planning on doing is perpetrating some kind of fraud against the insurance company. By collecting from the, from the mazik, he's going to keep the money and not forward it to the insurance company. He's, he's not going to tell them, and he will, be, he will be defrauding the insurance company. So the question is, does that play a role in, the, in, in, in their, in their dintara? Between Reuven and Shimon, Reuven is the mazik, Shimon is the nizik, Shimon says, you owe me money. Reuven says, well, if I give you the money... You're, gonna, you're not going to turn it over to the insurance company, so you're cheating the insurance company. So Shimon says, that's between me and the insurance company, between me and God. If they want to sue me, if, if they find out, they can sue me. You owe me the money. The fact that you fail, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something improper with the money, that, that, does, that doesn't let you off the hook. If according to Dintori, you have a, I have a claim against you, I want to collect it. What I do afterwards is my business. It's, it's, not, your, it's not your affair. If the, for example, to give, Marsham doesn't give this mushal, but just to give a mushal to illustrate the, the point. Let's say, for example, I borrow money, Reuven borrows money from Shimon. Reuven borrows $1,000 from Shimon. And uh, he borrows money with interest, with the heteriska, and, uh, and now he has to pay back the money with interest, $1,100. So Reuven says, wait a second, I, I, I happen to know that you're not going to report this on your taxes. If I pay you the money... You're, you're, going to, uh, you're going to evade taxes on it, and uh, I don't want to pay you the interest. Shimon says, what, what, what does it have to do with you? You owe me the money. What I do with the IRS is between me and the IRS. I'll ask Ashila, I'll ask my lawyers. I'll, that's between me and the IRS. What does it have to do with you? You owe me the money. The fact that you think if you give me the money, I'm not going to turn it over to the people it's supposed to be turned over to, what does it have to do with you? You owe me the money because we, we have a deal. Pay me the money. What I'm going to do afterward is my business, not your business. You owe me the money. You can't start uh, making moral arguments about what you think I'm going to do with it. That doesn't let you off the hook for money that you owe me. So that's the, that's the, that's the issue the Marsham is grappling with. The, over here, the Nizak, the person whose house was burned down, is telling the Mazik, you owe me the money. You're a Mazik. The Torah says, say Eish, we're going to read it in next week's parsha. say Eish, Matzah Kotim, that if a fire goes out and causes damage, the person who was irresponsible with regard to the fire is high to pay. Now, it happens to be I may have a contractual obligation to turn over this money to my insurance company under the principle of subrogation. What does that have to do with you? I'll ask a Shiloh. I'll talk to my Rav. I'll talk to my lawyer. I'll talk to my financial advisor about what to do. What does that have to do with you? You owe me the money because you're a Mazi. That's, that's the, this is the initial perspective of the Marsham. This is what he grapples with. This is basically going to be his conclusion as well. This is going to be the Marsham's final position as well, that he has the right to collect the money, 
whether or not he turns it over to the insurance company, which he's required to do under the terms of his agreement with them, has no bearing on the, has no bearing on the rectitude of his claim, the justness of his claim against Shimon. So the Marsham, as I said, before, before getting into intuitive and kind of common sense appeals to, to reason, he tries to prove it uh, for or against uh, this proposition from various Gemaras. One of the Gemaras he brings is, uh, is an inter- one of the riots he brings is as follows. Interesting raya. He says the following case. He says, he, he, he brings a Gemara. The Gemara says that if the Ruvain owns property, Ruvain owns uh, some, some movable property, metalphalin. Ruvain gives, Ruvain gives the property to Shimon to, Shimon to watch. Shimon is a shomer, also, next, also the following week's parsha. So Shimon now has liability as a shomer. Shimon, it, the property is then stolen from Shimon by Levi. So when Reuven comes to Shimon and says, where's my property? Shimon says, I'm very sorry, it was stolen. And it was stolen in a way that he was not negligent, so he is putter, he's off the hook. He takes an oath, he takes a shvua, he's off the hook. And Reuven has to go home, and Reuven is out of luck. In the meantime, they find Levi. They catch Levi. Levi's apprehended with the money. So now we have to go, someone has to go to court and uh, file the claim against Levi and make sure that he, uh, that he, that he disgorges the money. Certainly, Ruvain, whose, whose property it was, has the right to go to court. The question is, what about Shimon? Can Shimon go to court? Can Shimon, who was the Shomer, can he go to court with Levi and say, I want that property back that you stole from me? Levi said, it's not your property. Why, what, what, do you, what do you want from me? You're off the hook. You, Ruvain let you go because you took an oath, and you're off the hook. It's not your property. You're, you're not out of pocket anything. You're not my baldover. There's a standard rule in halacha. If I want to be a, a good Samaritan and start filing claims on behalf of somebody else, I can't do that. I have no standing to do that. I have to be the injured party to file the claim. Otherwise, the person could say, we're not getting to the merits of this. You don't have, you don't have any standing to, to file suit. In, in halacha, we call that lav bal varm didiat. You are not my baldover. So whatever the merits of the claim may be, I don't have to answer to you. Let the person who has the interest here come and let him argue with me. Let him discuss it with me in court. I'm not answering to you. So the question is here, is the shomer the baldover? Can the shomer be the one to uh, be tovea the... Can, the, can, be, can he be the one to be Tovea, the, the, the person for the, for the Ganav? So the answer is, yes, he can. Truman Sudeshin says, yes, the, the, Gemara, the, the, the Gemara says he can. And the Truman Sudeshin elaborates on this and explains this. He says that, the point is, if you were the one who gave him the money, even if you're not on the hook for it, because even though you were only a middleman, you were only a shomer, but if you were the one from whom the money was stolen... So you had the interaction, you can be the one to file suit, even though you're not, uh, you're not the one who's actually lost anything. Truman Sudeshin talks about a variation of this, of this idea. He says, if Reuven gives money to Shimon, these cases are a little complicated, it's hard to follow all the ins and outs of this, but just try to run through it quickly, give the general flavor. Reuven gave money to Shimon to go, to go take the money and buy something from Levi. So... Shimon and Levi come back, and Shimon and Levi are arguing. Shimon says, I gave Levi the money. He's supposed to deliver the goods to you. Levi says, I never got the money. Reuven is out of luck. Reuven has no proof. Shimon, Shimon swears that uh, he gave the money to Levi. Levi insists he never got it. Reuven has no proof that either of them are lying. He knows one of them is lying, but he can't prove which one it is. So Reuven has no claim. Reuven can't win against either of them. The question is, Shimon knows Levi's lying. Shimon, according to what he, what he knows, that he gave the money to Levi, Shimon knows Levi is lying. Can he be the one to take Levi to court and to, to try to press Levi to, to, to give over the goods? So the answer is yes. Even though Levi says, who are you? You're not my Baldover. I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk to Reuven. You're not out of anything. You're not on the hook for anything. No one has any claim against you, so why? You didn't lose anything, so why are you, uh, why are you coming after me? Shimon says, no, because I dealt with you. I can act on behalf of Reuven, because I'm the one who gave the money to you. I'm the one who knows you're lying. I'm the one who had the interaction with you. I can be the one to be Tavei you. And therefore, I, I have the right, he says, to, uh, I have the right to be your Baldover. So the Marsham tries to apply that to the case of insurance as well. It's an interesting analogy. The Marsham tries to argue that even if we're going to argue, even if we would try to argue that, the, that, the, that really, really the, the Nizak, the person whose house burned down, has to, he has to subrogate his rights to the insurance company, so really he has no claim, but he can come on behalf of the insurance company. 
The insurance company's not here. I'm coming on behalf of the insurance company. I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a formal harsha. I don't have a power of attorney from the insurance company. Neither do the middlemen in those cases either. But since they're the ones in position, they're the ones who, uh, who are in position to ask for the money, they can do it. Even though the, they're not actually the ones who have, the, who have any skin in the game at this point. Marsham points out, not much of a raya. You can argue with this, or you can, you can deflect this raya, because over there, the person, the, the Shomer, or the Shimon in the, in the second case, they, they actually plan on turning over the money to, the, to Reuven. But here, you're, you're planning on pocketing the money. You're not giving the money to the insurance company. What kind of claim is this? That you're coming on behalf of the insurance company? Sure you are. You're, you're planning on pocketing the money. We know that perfectly well, the Marsham says. That, uh, the Marsham says, of course that's not what's going on here. Yodua. Marsham says, we know, we know perfectly well the, that he's planning on keeping the money. He's not coming as, uh, as an agent of the insurance company, so it doesn't really have, doesn't really have such, it's not such a parallel to, uh, not such a parallel to that case. Marsham then goes through a, an elaborate other proof, which is also quite complicated, so it, maybe we're not going to get into the details of his second proof. Either he just says that the, he just, he just brings a similar case, that the, that, the, that in these types of cases where you have a middleman, where, where you have, where you have, um, that he, he, he tries to prove this basic rule, the fact that I'm planning on cheating somebody else, I might as well discuss it a little, little bit at least what this case is. He has a case where someone had a claim, a, a creditor had a claim against a debtor, and there was also a cosigner. So the, the debtor was Ruvain, the cosigner was, uh, was Levy. The names might be different from the actual case in the, in the, in the Chuva here, but the, the debtor is Ruvain, the cosigner is Levy, Shimon, let's say, is the creditor, the debtor is Ruvain, the cosigner is Levy, and there was another cosigner, a non-Jew. They were both responsible for the debt. So the, the debtor did not pay, Ruvain did not pay, so the, the creditor first went after Levy, Levy was one of the cosigners, Levy paid up the debt, Subsequently, the creditor went after the, the non-Jew, or the non-Jew was an honest, was an honest fellow, and on his own he sent in payment for the, for the debt. So the non-Jew wound up paying the whole debt, not realizing that his other cosigner, Levy, had already paid for half the debt. So Shimon made out like a bandit. Shimon now has the, part of the money, at least, from Levy, and he also has the entire, the entire amount of the debt paid back from the non-Jew. Now he has an extra 50% uh, windfall profit, sitting in his bank. The Levy comes and says, give it back to me. If you got the whole thing from the non-Jew, then, then give me back the, the part you took from me. Or give, or give the non-Jew back. You give one of us back. You, you can't have 150% of your debt. If the debt was 100 and I gave you 50 and the non-Jew gave you 100, not realizing I already paid 50, that's not right. You, you can't have double. So the, the halacha is no. Yes, he can. The, the halacha is that, the, that Shimon wins that Shimon, uh, Shimon could tell Levi, look, when you paid me back, at that point, the debt was outstanding, I had the right to, to sue you, and I took the money from you, you owed me the money. Now I took more money from the non-Jew, he gave me more money, he gave me more money, that's between me and him. If, if the non-Jew has a claim, let him sue me in court. You're not the Baldover anymore. You would like to act on behalf of the non-Jew, you think it's somehow not fair that I have too much money? Not fair is not a claim, the, the, the Rashba says. Not fair is not a claim, since when I took money from you, from Levi, that was Kedin, now I took more money from the non-Jew, so the non-Jew has a claim against me. If I'm cheating the non-Jew, let him take me to base, let him take me to court. That's not your affair. You have no claim against me. The money I took from you was Kedin, and whatever happens between me and the non-Jew, that's between me and the non-Jew, that's not your affair, and you have no, uh, you have, you're, not, you're, you're not the world's policeman. You're, the fact that whatever I'm doing between me and the non-Jew is our business, not your business, and therefore... The money you gave me is mine, and I'm not giving it back to you. Says the Marsham. Says the Marsham. The, so that's the halacha. He wants to argue that, the, that, that this, is the, this is the same as our case. The, you go to the mazik and you say, the money you owe me, I'm entitled to that money. Pay me the money. Now, you, you feel that I should give it to the insurance company? That's not your affair. That's between me and the insurance company. Whatever I do with it is fine. You owe me the money, you're a mazik, the marsham thinks that's poshut that you're a mazik, and the fact that insurance is going to cover it, is, it doesn't change the fact that you're a mazik. You owe me the money, pay me the money, you don't like what I'm doing afterwards with the insurance company, tough, that's not your business, and I'm doing what I, I that, that has nothing to do with you, pay up, and after that, mind your own business. The marsham, I'm sorry? Yes? 
Aaron, just, just a quick question. Um, but especially in the case of where the um, the, the, the non-Jew paid up not knowing that um, the other person paid first, um, isn't there potentially the concept of, like, the, the non-Jew or the insurance company would not have paid it if they had known? Like, there's... I don't know if the term is tough, but like absolutely yes, the, 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 absolutely the the, the 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 term absolutely is toast, and the and the and the, if you if you and the, I didn't get into all of it, but the 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 Rashba the, the Marsham used that term repeatedly. He says that he's stealing from the he's stealing from the non-Jew. He's uh, he's, uh, he's perpetrating a fraud against the non-Jew. He absolutely is, and if the non-Jew takes takes into Bastin. He may, he may or may not be able to be, be able to compel him to disgorge the money that he paid. It, it's not entirely clear in the case of the the Rashba. In this case, they're discussing. It's not entirely clear whether the money was there was active fraud being perpetrated on the non-Jew. Whether whether he told the non-Jew he lied and said the debt has not yet been paid. Please uh, please pay it, and he simply lied. Or the case was he simply had you know sent out bills to all the. To all the cosigners, and then they came in, uh, you know, one after another. By the time the non-Jew paid, he had already been paid. But but he never, but he never, he may never have lied explicitly and told the non-Jew that uh, and, and deliberately tried to defraud him. But yes, it is true that the, that the money he took from the non-Jew, the Marsham does use the word gezel yigzim who yigzel as If he's if he's stealing money from the non-Jew, the that it may very well be that the non-Jew has a claim against him, and that, just like in our case, the insurance company does have a claim, will have a claim against the Nizak. If the Nizak winds up collecting, even afterward, from the Mazik, the insurance company will have a, a solid claim against him from its contract, and if they go to Bastin, the, the Bastin may very well force him to pay. But the, the, that's true. But the Marsham's point is, and in the meantime... That has nothing to do with my right to have a claim against you. You can't, you can't not pay me because you think I'm not going to honor my obligations to the non-Jew. That has no, that has no, that, that's not your business. You owe me the money, so pay me the money. After that, between me and the non-Jew, the, we'll, we'll figure out what, what we have to do. But that, that, that doesn't let you off the hook from paying me. Pay me, and then if I have to, I'll turn it over to the non-Jew. But th- that's not your affair. So in both these cases, that's the same principle. In the Rashba's case, in the, Rashba's case, in the, the, the case of Marsham is bringing Uriah from, he's saying that the, when, that, that when, 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 Levy paid them, when Levy paid him, it was Kedin. Levy paid first, before the non-Jew paid. Afterwards, the non-Jew paid. Maybe it was my fault. Maybe I manipulated him to pay. Maybe I, maybe I lied to him. Maybe I didn't. Maybe he simply made the error. Whatever it is, that's between me and him. When you paid, you owed me the money, so I collected it from you, Kedin. What happened afterward between me and, between, between, one second, what happened afterward between me and the non-Jew is not your affair. And the same thing happens here in the case of insurance. You owe me the money. That's, according to the Marsham, that's undeniable. That's uncontested. You owe me the money. The fact that you're concerned about what I'm going to do, whether I'm going to behave properly and honestly with the non-Jew afterward, that's not your affair. You owe me the money. Pay me the money. And then it's my business. It's between me and God and the court, what I do with the non-Jew. And that's not your affair and you're, that, that, that you're no longer involved. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so that, that's fine, but but uh, uh, there is, there, is, there are I don't know how far back these laws goes, but there there are laws, state law, that govern uh, enriching yourself uh, in the process of of uh, going after these things serially, uh, going after the gaining from the insurer and then getting from the person who was who has, uh, um, was damaged you. So if that's the case. Maybe that's the case, uh, and, and present law may not have gone back that far. Then you've got somebody who is uh, playing the system and certainly going after the, uh, the, 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 the law of the land. And we, we know that we are supposed to go governed by the law of the land. That's, that's one argument. The second argument is a question of equity. A society is based on equity. If you, if you say you can game the system and be within the four corners of halakha, then you're a scoundrel even if you are within the system four corners of halakha. So I think um, these are two arguments that I'd just like you to kind of uh, consider, address at some point, if you can, please. Okay. So the, the first point about uh, if the law of the land does not allow you to do this, so would that impact the halakha? It's a good question. The, 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 marsham, doesn't, the marsham doesn't directly address this question. 
That the one point he does keep making is that, is that the law, the law, or the the details of the insurance contract say that the that that the insurance company doesn't have to pay if you got money from someplace else, and if you do get money from someplace else after they pay, they're entitled to that money. That's the one point he keeps talking about. That that they the, he makes it very clear that the insurance company has the right, the legal right to the to any money that you get. That, uh, that 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 you get, but but again, the, the, that that doesn't mean you can't collect the money from the from the mazik. That just means if you do, they can go they can go after you. But so that's the marsham's point that whatever they, they they may have a right to go after you, but that doesn't take away your right to go after him. You have the right to go after him, and then they can go after you. Now, if there are laws that go further, if there are laws that say you have no right to go after the mazik in the first place, if there's insurance, if there is such a law, I'm not I'm not that familiar with the law. I don't know. So if there would be such a law. We would have to consider that, and how that and that would be a classic question of whether Dina de Malchusadina and Minhagim that uh, that that, have, that that are derived from it, whether they could override and alter the the contours of the halacha. So that would that, that is a valid question. That that's a question that can be asked on almost any area of halacha. Does the halacha change if the law had, takes a different view of the matter? So that that's an important question. But 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 it's an important question. But we're not. I'm, I'm not going to get. Too much further into that tonight. The, the point is, Marsham doesn't discuss it either because that was not the law as he understood it at the time, at his time at least, or because he felt it was pashut that the such a law would not override the halacha. But but again, that that the, the question there is whether that that changes his right to collect from the from the mazik. The second question: Does the insurance company have the right to collect from you? Do they have the right to demand you pay them the money? Marsham takes for granted that they do. Of course they do, he says. But but his, but his his whole point is that's not that that's not any business of the of the mazik. What, what, what you your responsibility to the insurer after you get the money from him is something between you and the insurance company that that has no effect on the on your claim between uh, on your claim. Uh, the general question, the, the the second question you were asking about uh, general unfairness and about being a novel versus a Torah equity, right? So that, that's a very, uh, that, 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 that is a very tricky question. On the one hand, there, there certainly is a notion of L'Flemishur Sadin of being Novel Bershus Atara, that Novel Bershus Atara, the Ramban famously explains in Parashat's Kedoshim, that the idea of Kedoshim to you is that you can, you can stick to the strict letter of the law when it comes to Kashrus and what foods you can eat and so on, and still be a novel, still be uh, a coarse and degraded person. And uh, when it comes to Chosh and Mishpat, Achronim explained there's a similar principle. You can stick to the letter of the law in Shulchan Aruch. You can, you can follow every jot and tittle and still be, uh, and still be a scoundrel and still be someone who uh, is unethical and behaves in, a, in an unfair and inequitable manner. So that's certainly true. You can certainly behave in a way that uh, certainly posts can often talk about if Nimeshur Sadin and so on. So the, the question, though, on the other hand, is that in order to articulate that, we have to be able to say we have to be able to say to say something uh, sharper than simply uh, it's not fair. My my family, Rav Rabbi Israel Reisman, of, uh, of of New York, often often gets uh, takes great umbrage when people say uh, people say that's not fair when he says something in Choshen Mishpat, and people retort that's not fair. He often says there's no such word as fair in the Torah. There's no rule that the Torah doesn't have to be fair. The Torah is MS, the Torah is, is correct, the Torah, there's no notion of fairness. And my father and I, following in his footsteps, often push back on that, and we, we, we often argue that, of course there is, like Max just said, there's novel Bershus Torah. there's a notion of, there's a notion of the Din allows this, but the Torah expects you, the Talmud says, the, the only reason Yerushalayim was destroyed was because Hamidu Dineim al Din Torah was because they insisted on sticking to the letter of the law. There is a spirit of the law, and the halacha does expect you to behave with a certain notion of uh, of equity. Rabbi Reisman's point, I, I think, is, is we think is simply to say, just because uh, a layman has a knee jerk reaction, that's not fair. Well, study Chazon Mishpat, study Torah. There, there's a whole parash in the Shpatim. There's a, there, 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 there are there are three bavas in Nezikin. There's a Shulchan Aruch, more than four hundred simanim, and there's thousands and thousands of tshuvas. And there's a, so before you just express your, your gut feeling about what's not fair, there's, a, there's, an, there's an entire Torah that shapes our perception of what's fair and what's not fair, and that how you feel in, in the immediate uh, ten seconds after you hear something is, is not necessarily a uh, a, a good guide for what, what actually is fair or what's not fair. In this case, though, the question is, the question is right. The question is, is, is allowing him to double dip, is that fair or not? So the Marsham actually feels it's entirely fair. We'll, we'll get to the Marsham's arguments in a moment. The Post can disagree on this. 
So again, there, there are two ways to look at why it wouldn't be fair. One way is because why should he get paid twice? Why should he end up with a windfall? The other objection is he's committing fraud against the insurance company. So the Marsham skates around the question of you know, why doesn't he lecture, even if he keeps saying that it's not his business, it's not, it's not the Mazik's business, why doesn't he give a little muster to the, to the Taveya and say, well, maybe it's not his business, but it's my business, it's the Torah's business, as the Rav, as the Posik, I'm telling you that you shouldn't be a crook and you shouldn't be engaged in insurance fraud. So, so that, that's really a, 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 an important question, which I don't really have an answer for. If the Mar- that, that, that if the Marsham acknowledges that, that what, the, what the Nizik plans on doing is, is Geneva against the insurance company and Gezel and, and Toast and he's, he's engaged in fraud, so why doesn't he tell him that he has no business doing this? So why, why doesn't he, even if it's not uh, the Mazik's business, it's a terrorist business. So why, why it, it's Kal Yisrael's business. So why doesn't the Marsham make a, uh, a more pointed statement to that effect? So I don't really know. So, so that is definitely a question. But as to the question of whether it's fundamental, forget the insurance company's rules, whether it's fundamentally fair to a, to, for a person to enrich himself off a loss, so modern insurance ideas, we say it's not. We say the whole point of insurance is, uh, is, is to simply to make you whole and to indemnify you, but not for you to get double recovery, not for you to get generally double indemnity. But that's far from obvious. If you think about it intuitively, why not? I mean, I, I made a deal. I paid premiums. I paid... Uh, it's a risk. I, the, 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 we, the, the insurance company has a whole team of actuaries calculating the, the odds, and they decide that it's worth it for them to offer the policy at this rate for this, for this amount of insurance. It's a bet. Uh, it, it, it's a bet that I make against them, and if I win, I win. If I lose, I lose. What, what, what's wrong with enriching yourself? You can enrich yourself at Las Vegas. You can enrich yourself by buying uh, GameStop. You can enrich yourself by uh, doing a lot of things. So, so what, uh, you know, what, uh, why is it bad? It, it, to me, it's not intuitively obvious there's anything wrong with enriching yourself. What is wrong is is perpetrating fraud against the insurance company. And why the Marsham doesn't, it doesn't, uh, doesn't directly tell the guy not to do this is, is a difficult question for which I don't have a, uh, a complete answer. But, uh, but, but, but just, just to move to the next part of the Marsham, where, where, he, where he makes his point... I'm sorry? Now, can't you argue that, that the, the insurance company does have a stake in, in, your, in your relationship with the Mazik in that they presumably set their rates of what you're paying based on a probability that in some cases they're going to be able to get back from a, from a third party. Yeah, so, so, so Aaron is making a point, which, yes, I, I did I leave this point. It is true. It did occur to me also that I, I, I just, uh, I just uh, glibly mentioned the stable of actuaries. It's true, but the actuaries calculate both how many houses burn down a year. They also calculate in what percentage of those cases will there be recovery from external sources. And they can therefore lower their premium. By, they therefore presumably lower the premium uh, by, because of the fact that even if there are one out of a thousand houses burned down a year, but of those one in a thousand, in half the cases, we can recover money from other sources. So yes. So, so, so in, in that sense, yes, we, we can argue that, 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 that but, but, but again, from the Marchand's perspective, that simply, that simply increases the fact that, that I'm engaged in fraud, that I'm engaged in fraud against the insurance company, because, uh, because, I'm, because they, they, the reason they set the premium as low as they did is because they, they, were, they were banking on the fact that they're going to force me to be honest or that I'm going to be honest and turn over to them the money that I recover if there is. That's true. That's true. I, 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 just, made the, I just made the basic point that there's nothing wrong with enrichment just, just, just to make the point that, that in principle, if the, if the insurance contract was structured differently, if they didn't uh, put that into the contract, if like some other contracts you can bet on, you know, on international insurances, things like Lloyd's, or the, if the, the, the terms are less, uh, less rigid, there's nothing wrong in principle with the idea that I can get rich. Yes, in, in, in the particular case of ordinary, certainly of ordinary property and casualty insurance, yes, it is against their terms, and the rates reflect that, and therefore that increases the fact, that, that simply highlights the fact that I'm engaged in some kind of fraud against the insurance company, which again, I concede, it is, a, uh, it is a difficult question why the Marsham doesn't seem more concerned about that. He's certainly right. It, it certainly, I can certainly understand from a technical halakhic perspective his point that that's not the Masik's business, what I plan on doing, but it should be his business. It should be the Marsham's business to tell you that you shouldn't do that. So that, that's an interesting question, why the Marsham isn't, uh, isn't emphasizing that point more explicitly. 
But, but just to get to the, the last paragraph for the, the end of the Marsham, just, just to see again why he fails this is reasonable, after he gets through all these technical arguments, he says, in the second to last paragraph of the Marsham, he says, Mulvad Kalela, Hadavar Pashut Be'enai Misvara. Marsham thinks this is the intuitive conclusion. Forget uh, all the technical arguments from Rashbas and Gemaras. He thinks that this is the intuitively correct position. That what's in your business? He says you burned down the house. You you, you owe me. What, what's in your business? That I made some bet with the insurance company. It's a business deal I made. It's Revach Shal Mischar. He calls it. He says it's the. He says Ech Das. He says what svar is there that that, that just because uh, that. Had I not taken out insurance, you would have owed me the money. Because I took out insurance, now you don't owe me the money. The Masham thinks that that's absurd. Why should you say that, he says. He says, Gam uh, Misfara, he says, aside from all these riots, it's Pashut, that the person who caused the Hezek is Chayev. And uh, if he takes it for himself, if he keeps it for himself, he says, Malo Lasarif Pazet. That, that's not your business. Again, you owe me, you, you owe me the money, clearly. That, that's a clear black and white claim. What I do with it, whatever the, whatever the merit is, I have to answer to my conscience, I have to answer to God, I have to answer to the, to the court and the, the judicial system if they catch me, but I don't have to answer to you. Then the... So this, it's, it's, that's the Marsham's basic conclusion. Then he adds, after this, he adds one or two final riots. His last riot is an interesting one. He says that, there, uh, that, that there's a principle in Halacha. He says that, that sometimes Halacha says it's difficult to define when exactly we say this, what the parameters are, but there is sometimes a Halachic principle that even if I am blocked from doing something, if I have a, a choice of actions in front of me, and because I took uh, action A, or because I picked option A, that may close off uh, option B. There is a rule, he says, that if I have the right, if I have the choice not to take option A, and then option B would remain viable, I can do that. And even after I picked option A, I have the right to say, when it comes to option B, I can grab it and say, look, you tell me option A, I can undo it if you want. If it makes you happy, I'll, I'll reverse, I'll unwind option A, and then I'll be back to my claim against option B. So again, you have to see what the context is what, what, when, we, when we say that, but the Marsham makes that argument here as well. He says, I can tell the Mazik, you owe me money. What's your problem? The problem is that I also took insurance money. I'll give it back to them. I won't. I, I, I didn't have to. Let's say I decide not to file an insurance claim. Then certainly you would owe me the money. Again, some post are going to argue, no, you wouldn't, because since you have the option of going to insurance, there's no hesitation because you're, you, you have no real damage because you have the option of going to insurance. The Marsham doesn't even enter his head to say such a thing. The Marsham takes for granted that if you choose not to file an insurance claim, of course you can go to the Mazik. So says the Marsham, just because I did go to the insurance that does not forestall my right to, that does not foreclose my right to collect from you, since had I not gone to the insurance, I could have gone to, I, I could have collected from you even after I went to the insurance, I can still go to you, but the Marsham concedes that it's, that it's rather more complicated than that, it's actually much more complicated, so that's not going to be his primary position, that's not going to be his primary basis for his ruling, his primary basis for his ruling are A, these uh, complicated analogies, to various other cases where people are ending up with windfall profits or, or people are filing claims on behalf of others. And B, his argument, Misvara, he thinks Misvara, it is self-evident that, that, a, that a claim of Hezek is not somehow uh, foreclosed or supplanted by a, by a right I have to go to insurance, but even if I already went to the insurance and, and, and got a payout, Misvara, he thinks it's Pashut, and that is the Marsham's position. Just, just very briefly, to see the other side of it I mentioned right at the beginning, the other side of this question is ta- the other side of this uh, the other side of this coin is taken by the Hari Basamim, also uh, an important 19th century Akron. He discusses a very similar case to the Marsham, that there was a house, the house was insured, it was insured against fire. The, a fire broke out in a neighbor's house, burned the house down. He filed the claim with insurance. Insurance paid. Insurance paid the claim. Now, he says, he's, he also wants to collect again. He wants to double-dip and collect from the neighbor because of Mazik, because of Aish. He was Pashaya. The, the, the neighbor says, I didn't cost you. There was no hafzid. I didn't cause you any hafzid. You already got paid from the insurance. So, what's the halacha? So he goes back and forth. He, he has arguments back and forth as well. And he says, his, his primary position is the other intuitive position, the opposite of the marsham. Kivan me olam lo lo hezek. He had no damage because he, he collected from the insurance company, so he ended, up, he ended up back where he started. Again, even though Jason mentioned earlier there are premiums he paid out, but I, I think the argument is either he means except for the premiums, or I think the argument is the premium is a sunk cost. Whether I collect from the insurance 
or uh, where I don't collect from the insurance, if the house never would have burnt, and I'm still out the premium. So the premium is already paid. The premium is already a thing in the past. So, so once, the, once the insurance company pays you, you're in exactly the same position as you were before the house burnt down. Before the house burnt down, you were out the premium for the year and you had a house. Now the house burned down and the insurance company paid for it. You're out the premium for the year and you have cash value of the house. So you're not any worse off than before. So why should I pay you? Obviously, in practice, you're worse off. You have the hassle of having to build a whole new house. Maybe, maybe for some people, that's, a, that's actually a plus. They get to customize it the way they want. But in, in, in basic halakhic terms, it's considered a wash. Before you had $500,000 equity in a house. Now you have $500,000 in cash. That's not called hezek. And therefore, the Haribis says the opposite of the marsham, that he thinks that he's inclined to the view. There's no hezek, and you can't collect from the... From the mazik, not because you're defrauding the insurance. You can't collect from the mazik because there's no hazik. Because once the insurance company paid you, you're whole again. There's no hazik. So there's no so, so, so there's no claim, so therefore you don't have to therefore you have no claim against the mazik. He just adds, the Haribizam winds up by saying that that that's true if the insurance covers the whole loss. But if you only took out insurance for less than the full value of the house, so they so the house is worth five hundred thousand dollars. And they only and your your policy had a cap at three hundred, so they only paid you back three hundred thousand dollars. He says, then then he says yes. Then he says you could go, you could go back to the mazik and say, and say, uh, and say pay me the rest. He explains it. Uh, I would have thought that's kind of intuitively obvious. So why not? Uh, the but but he makes it a little more complicated. He he makes it sound like the final argument of the marsham that I can always say. Uh, that uh, I can always go back and, and bring the insurance company in, and they'll, they'll charge you for all the Nazik. I'm not sure. He, I'm, I'm not sure why he makes it so complicated. But uh, I'm not sure why he makes it so complicated. But he but he says what what, what, I, what intuitively seems obvious. He says that the that, that that if he wants to get the rest of the Nazik, he has the right to get it from the Mazik. Whatever the insurance company doesn't cover, he has the right to get from the Mazik. But if he wants to get the whole thing, that he has no right to do, he says, because since the insurance companies pay, whatever the insurance company pays out is not considered hezek, and therefore to collect, uh, to collect that part of the hezek, the part that was covered by the insurance company, that he has no claim, because that's not considered hezek.